We've been taking a look at the last several weeks where God uses people who didn't feel ready. As a matter of fact, most of the Bible stories, you would look at their scenarios and you would go, here's a person saying like, God, I'm not ready. I don't feel ready. And he's like, that's all right. I'm going to be with you and we're going to get our job accomplished. Amen. Uh, I'm so grateful that God created us on purpose for a purpose. He's got purpose in every single one of us. As a matter of fact, you're not here by accident today. God has great plans for you to walk in. And uh, many of us, you know, we hear the thought, oh, you were born for such a time as this. And we think, oh, that's like an inspiring thought. And that's kind of an encouraging thing. But I don't think we give it enough merit. We don't give it enough weight in the fact that literally God at one point, as the assembly line was going through heaven, he said, hey, I'm going to take you. I'm going to make you. I'm going to create you. I'm going to put purpose on the inside of you. And I'm going to put you in 2022. God did that on purpose. He's got a purpose for that. Now, some of you are like, man, I got the raw end of the deal. I'm living in 2022. Like, this is crazy. No, this is amazing. We get to be a part of an amazing work that God is going to do. How many know when times are the darkest, the church shines the brightest? Can I get amen? And, uh, and so great things happen in this hour that we're in. And so you may not feel ready, but that's okay. God makes us strong in our weakness. Are you with me? I would say this, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit on, um, if you saw my social media, I'm, I'm going to be talking about like election results and what do we do after midterm elections and what do we do in this political season? Because there is one thing that I know that we're all not ready for, and that is the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> our social media is not ready for the next two years. Our news channels, all of the different things that we're going to be operating in. Many of us will be like, yeah, I'm not ready for that. I need like a bath from the last thing. Like I'm not ready. Uh, but I'm here to encourage you today. Again, God has a plan and a purpose for you to be living in this hour. And it's not just to survive it. It's not just to tolerate it. I believe that Christians and the body of Christ can thrive through it. Can I get an amen today? And so we're going to take a look at some things, and, and, and it's important for us to understand that just because we talk about things that feel political doesn't mean that we're a political preaching church or I'm a political preaching pastor. But at the end of the day, everything you do and everything you weigh your life through, every filter you cycle, everything through should filter through this cycle. When I get to heaven, I'm going to have to give an account for everything I've done everything that I've done. There is no, hey, that doesn't matter to me. That's not my personality. That's not my style. I don't have to engage in that. You're living in this hour, again, on purpose, for a purpose. And God calls us, one scripture says, to number our days and spend them accordingly. I believe that God gave us our land. He gave us our territory. He gives us our family. Everything that you have and everything that you participate in, God gave to you to manage and to steward properly. And so for us as Christ followers and believers, there is no such thing as saying, well, I'm not a political person because everything that happens in this hour matters to the kingdom, doesn't it? And so God is saying, hey, it's important for us to understand how God would lead us. We're created on purpose for a purpose. How does God want to accomplish his purposes on this earth and in this hour? And I'm so grateful that we have the scripture to lead us in it. Are you with me? One of the reasons it's important for us to understand how we manage and steward this time is because everybody's been given a platform. Thankfully, uh, uh, or maybe sometimes unfortunately, because of social media, everybody has a voice now. Uh, through different things that we can do, everybody has the opportunity to influence one way or another. So it's extremely important for us to understand that what we say and how we lead and what we do matters to God. Amen. This is my prayer for our church as we go forward and as God leads us into these next two years and as he leads us into the future and what he has for us. This is my prayer. My prayer is that the church will model what it looks like to disagree politically, but love unconditionally. 
Write that down in your notes. It is our prayer and it is our mission to be the Christ follower who knows what it looks like to disagree with somebody politically, but love unconditionally. The reality is all over this room, you have people who voted different than you. Some of us experienced wins. Some of us experienced losses. Actually, the reality is everybody in this room, you had some wins and you had some losses and we all came out on different things. But the neat thing about the body of Christ is that you can be sitting next to somebody right now that voted differently than you, but you can still go serve in the same church. You can disagree politically, but still love unconditionally. Well, how amazing is it that somebody who voted differently than you can show up to the same prayer meeting and still love and pray unconditionally? Are you with me today? So that's the prayer going forward. And I'll just be honest with you. Christians haven't been very good at this. We haven't been very good at winning. When I look at how Christians, they've experienced some wins over some time and they got very haughty about it. They spiked the ball. They got cocky about it. They kind of did the in your face thing when they would experience some wins. And I don't think that's the way the Lord has called us to do it. I also think that there's times when Christians have lost, that they've become very bitter and very ugly, and they've been very nasty about their losses uh, on social media and in break rooms and at holiday parties and things like that. They've gotten pretty ugly about it, and I don't believe that the way, that's the way God's called us to do it. The reality is all of us experience wins and losses, and the reality is some of us can't handle it when things don't go our way. Again, knowing some of us had wins over this last week and some of us had some losses, um, I know in 2016... Um, a presidential candidate, candidate won, and uh, we got one of the most epic memes of all time. Now, that is sort of the fun that comes out of some of the political things, is some of the memes that we get to enjoy. And one of the most famous ones came when the last president in 2016, when it was announced as a president, I'm being careful what I say because I don't want to get thrown on Facebook with certain names and triggers. <laughs> so when that president won, there was this girl, when his name was announced, this girl gave us this epic no, it's been used in a million different ways. And, uh, and I think we can all relate to that moment where uh, not necessarily politically, but in our lives, we've all had the no moment. Maybe for you, it was actually this morning. You woke up and decided to go out to church today and you looked out your window and you went, no, yeah, no, yeah. Maybe you've been on a vacation and you're just driving and you're driving and you're seeing that billboard and it's those McDonald's milkshakes and it's like, hey, 10 more miles and you can get to McDonald's. You're like, oh, I'm getting one of those milkshakes. That's what we're going to do. And you tell all the kids and you get all their hopes up and you say, all right, we're going to take this exit. And you get up to the counter at McDonald's and you're like, hey, we need five milkshakes. And they say, I'm sorry, the machine is broken. And you go, no, that happens way too often. Or maybe it was you last week with the time change. If you're someone who has kids, you're like, oh, yes, the time change. We're going to get one more hour of sleep. This is going to be glorious. And everybody goes to bed and we're going to get that one hour. And then all of a sudden in the morning at the wrong time, you hear that pitter patter of here comes the kids at the same wrong time. And you go, no. Or today you came to church and the pastor gets up and says, hey, I want to talk about politics and the election. And you go, amen, Lord, let's do that. That's what you did. You almost fell for that. But we all we all have these experiences. We all have these. Oh, I don't like this. And again, this week you had wins and losses, but it still matters how we react. I'm grateful that every issue we deal with in life is addressed in the Bible. Do you know that there's nothing that ever has come, is happening, or will come that the Bible doesn't have an answer for? God has all answers. He's all knowledge. And so anything we ever need in any circumstance, we can go to his word and his truth and find the answers. Can I get an amen today? Peter, uh, we're going to take a look at his leadership through this time. 
Uh, Peter, of course, we know as a disciple, he's also a church leader. He's now addressing a group of believers living in a pagan society, uh, an unchristian society, uh, with a dictator who wasn't just non-Christian. He was persecuting Christians and calling for their murder. His name is Nero. And so the stories of Nero are pretty intense, the way that he murdered Christians and went after Christians, uh, so much so that he would throw garden parties. And the way that he would light these garden parties or these backyard parties, these social events, is he would light them with the burning bodies of Christians. So it's not just some guy that says, hey, you do your thing. We're going to do our things. We're going to agree to disagree. He was intentionally a leader and an official who was going after Christians in a very intense way. That's why it's laughable when we say things like, oh, Christians, we're really under persecution right now. We're being suppressed on social media. We can't pray in school. Now, those things are important, but for us to sit here and compare persecution, you know what I'm talking about. Peter says, oh, we're going to read here in just a minute. Peter doesn't tell us, oh, hey, here's how you handle people who are persecuting you and authority and leadership that are accusing you. He doesn't say, oh, you get bitter about it. You pout about it. You get angry. You, you unfriend them. We need to do a mass unfriending and really teach people a lesson. That doesn't what he do, does at all. Instead, he says, this is how you should behave when it comes to authority, whether it be government officials or your boss or anyone in authority. We pick it up in first Peter chapter two, verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, we're just foreigners in this land. This is temporary to us. This world is not our own. He says to abstain from sinful desires because they're there. Our flesh wants to do things. It says, which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the people that agree with you. Oh, no. Live such good lives among the pagans. That though they accuse you of wrongdoing, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day that he visits. Notice it didn't say that they're going to see the church that you go to. And that's what's going to make a difference and cause them to glorify God. Notice that it didn't say that, oh, they're going to see the Christian bumper stickers that you so proudly promote, and that's going to make the difference. Notice it didn't say that they're going to see the zinger that you put on Facebook, and that's really going to put them in their place. That's the way that they're going to glorify God. It doesn't say that. It says your good deeds. In verse 13, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every, highlight that in your Bible, every human authority you agree with. Nope doesn't say that. It says to every human authority, whether to the emperor, which in this case is Nero, as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to command those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Uh, How many know there is some ignorant, foolish talk going on out there? But the scripture says, how do you silence the ignorant, foolish talk? You zing them on Facebook, right? You trap them in the break room. That's really how we do it. No, it says for that by doing good, it's how we silence foolish talk. You guys glad you came today? You glad you came today? It's by doing good. It's by being kingdom people. It's by going out and being salt and light is how we shut up foolish talk. It says, live free, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves, show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honor the emperor. Much love. See you next week. That's all we need, right? 
I've had the opportunity to vote for, I was trying to think of it the other day as I turned 40 coming up in February. Uh, I've had the opportunity to, I think, vote for six or seven different presidents, six or different, seven presidents. Some of them have won. Some of them have lost. I've experienced both sides of them. But here's what I know. My purpose and my mission has never changed based on who won or lost. We have the same purpose. We have the same mission. And it's to do good and glorify God. Are you with me? So I got three different responses for us. When it comes to what do we do when we experience wins or experience losses, when it comes to different things like this. Point number one is this. We must live with an eternal perspective. Our mind is not set on 2022. We steward it well, but we understand we're just foreigners. We're not citizens of this. We have an eternal purpose. I wrote it down like this. Temporary elections should not change our eternal perspective. They didn't win. Close heaven. We can't make a difference. I guess they didn't win. Let's shut it down. Temporary elections don't alter our mission. We stay the course. The Great Commission lives on. Are you with me today? And we stay loving people with passion. We still go after people with all our hearts. Are you with me? Uh, I'm not necessarily a competitive person. Uh, I do like to compete. I do like to do those things. But Jess, my wife, is way more competitive than me. As a matter of fact, early in my marriage, I learned I will never play spoons with her again. We got together with her family, and they all got around this table. They rented a cottage, and they lost their security deposit on that cottage because the damage done to the table and the chairs and the windows of this cottage during this game of spoons. Now, I, I again, I'm not, I'm not like overly intense about it. I don't have those kind of issues. <laughs> but this year, I did notice an unhealthy amount of competitiveness kicked into me. Uh, I've told you before that I helped coach my son's uh, second grade flag football. And the only way I got into this was like Zeeland Rex sent out a thing saying we need extra help. And so I was like, oh, I'll, what, what does it entail to help? And then the next email was like, you're a coach. I was like, jeez, I didn't know you get drafted like as a listing. And so uh, in the beginning, I was like, that's fine. This is cool. I, I used to have a children's ministry background. I know how to, how to like raise kids up and support them, encourage them and build up their self-esteem. That's what it's all about. And so I'm going to go in there. I'm going to be the fun coach and I'm going to encourage them. I'm going to do all this kind of stuff. But then we got on an undefeated streak. We, we, we were like, nobody was touching us. We were, we were doing so much winning, we were sick of winning. Just kidding, not possible. And, and we, I mean, we beat people bad. Justin Peasley's here. We buried his team. They were horrible. I mean, it looked like that team was run by a cow farmer slash chiropractor. They didn't know what they were doing. And so... And so, and the Boonstras were here. Their team was terrible. It's like an electrician. You know, the problem with Brad Boonstra, you know, he works for consumers, you know, which means he's a, um, oh gosh, what do you call it? Uh, I can't believe I'm botching this. It's a, not a corporate person. When, when a company, a union, it's a union. Consumers Energy, that's a union company. So before they ran a play, they'd have a committee and people had to talk about it. And they, they were terrible too. And we whooped them. So we're undefeated. We're undefeated. And, and all of a sudden, I'm like, we got to keep winning. We can't lose this streak. We're not going to lose this streak. Well, we have this one. You know, I feel like a bunch of the kids on the team, the parents, like, just put them on the team as, like, free child care. You know, I was like, hey, Billy, you're going to go on that thing. And, like, and so one of the games, I'm sitting here. I'm on the sideline. I'm with the kids. I'm getting ready to put them in. And one of the kids over here, he's like, coach, when's the game over? I'm like, we just started, Billy. What are you? 
how many games are left in the season? I'm like, dude, it's our second game. One time, literally, he's like, can I go home? I'm like, where do you live? Just walk home. Yes, is it? I literally contemplated when he got to the game, giving him one of the other team's colored jerseys. Hey, Billy, you've been traded today. Thanks for your services. We wish you well in your future endeavors. Um, But all of a sudden, I got competitive. And I remember one of the games we were losing. Our streak was on the line. Our streak was on the line. And, and remember, this is just kids' flag football, second grade. You know, when it was all over, I didn't get a trophy. They didn't put my name in the paper. All I did was give the flags back to the guy. That was it. But we're losing, and the other coach is in there, and he keeps giving the ball to Billy, the kid who doesn't care. One time we were coming home from the game, and my uh, son says to me, Dad, you know, every time they snap the ball, Billy doesn't do anything. I'm like, yeah, I know. I see it. I see it. <laughs> Next week, we're going to tell him the wrong time. You know, like... <laughs> And so I remember being like, thinking to the other coach who kept giving him the ball and kept putting him in the place. I remember thinking like, I'm going to go to the coach and be like, what are you doing? Why do you keep involving that kid? We're losing. We're going to lose this trick. That kid is trash. Why are you using him? (laughs) And then I said, hold on a second. Hold on a second. I I, I don't want a temporary, meaningless thing cause me to lose sight of the purpose and the mission. The mission is to raise up the kids and encourage and help them do their thing. I can't let winning cost me the purpose. And if we're not careful, you might have experienced some losses in this midterm or in the upcoming election or whatever. You might have experienced something and you can do a lot of long term damage because you aren't focused on the important purpose and the bigger mission, which is eternal. Can I get an amen today? So we need to be careful that we don't lose the eternal purpose by going crazy on Facebook. By letting things get nuts in the break room. Uh, uh, I hate to break it to you, but you have holiday parties coming up. And you can do a lot of long-term damage by spending some time trying to make sure you're winning or spike the ball. Maybe your people won. Maybe some of your things won. And, and same thing. You can hinder some eternal damage uh, by, by trying to do that. That's why verse 11 said, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles, we're just passing through. This is not our home. Abstain from those sinful desires, those temptations to just zing people and get people and speak out of the flesh. I wrote it down like this. We are Christians first and American citizens second. We need to be about what Christ is about first instead of our earthly agendas. Now, I believe in serving your country and supporting and and standing up and being proud to be an American. I am that. But I'm a citizen of heaven first. I wrote it down like this. That's why Jesus gave us this promise where he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell. They will not prevail against it. Well, but what if they get into office and what if this passes and what if this kind of happens? Jesus gave you a promise that none of that prevails. The work that he's doing in his body will win. Can I get an amen? Hell doesn't win. Jesus is building something in us that prevails. I wrote it down like this. As Christians, our default attitude should always be hope. Because the gates of hell don't prevail against us, our default attitude can always be hope. Christians in the body of Christ and our social media and our break rooms and our holiday parties should be the most hope-filled ones. Why? Because Jesus gave us a promise that what he's building endures. Are you with me? Paul says it this way. 2 Corinthians 4.16, he says, Therefore, don't lose heart. It's easy to lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So fix our eyes not on what is seen, 
these results. Don't fix your eyes on any of that. But on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God's got a much bigger plan in place. God's got a much bigger play happening than what we see as temporary. Leaders will come and go, but Jesus will always remain in control. There's a greater seat than the, there is a greater seat than the house or the Senate. It's called the right hand of the father and ultimate control comes from it. Jesus is seated there and he's in ultimate control of it. So whether your person won or lost, we know that all control comes from the right hand of the father. Are you with me? Point number two is this, a change in leadership doesn't mean a change in purpose. People come to me all the time, pastor, what are you going to do if dot, 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 dot. Well, my purpose remains the same. doesn't matter what the changings are and what different things take place. Uh, My purpose remains the same. I grew up um, with a cartoon called Animaniacs. Now with streaming and things like that, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. But this cartoon Animaniacs had this one little bit in it where it had these two mice or these two rats. They were called Pinky and the Brain. And every single episode, uh, they would try to do this certain thing. Uh, Brain would try to take over the world. Every single episode, it was his attempt to take over the world. But there was a moment in every single bit where Pinky, kind of the crazy, sporadic, uh, not as intelligent as Brain, uh, would say to Brain, Hey, Brain, what are we going to do today, Brain? And Brain would say, the same thing we're going to do every day. Try to take over the world. And I'm just here to say it's the same thing for Vertical Church. Hey, what are we going to do after this midterm cycle? Hey, what are we going to do in two years after that election? We're going to do the same thing we do every day. Try to influence and love and make a difference in this world. Can I get an amen? It's our mission, and it doesn't change if leadership changes. Verse 12 says this, That is why we live such good lives among the pagans, that they see your good deeds and glorify God. I wrote it down like this. Christians don't win or lose based on who gets elected. Christianity and Christians do not win or lose based on who gets elected. Now, I will say this. Elections have consequences. And we need to be engaged and we need to be speaking up because all the other agendas that are getting advanced and pushed and and make it further in us is because those people have more passion than the church does. We're in the boat that we're in because of the lukewarmness within the church. So elections do have consequences, but it doesn't change God's plan and his ultimate control. So Christians don't win or lose based on who gets elected, but Christians do win or lose based on our attitudes and actions before, during, and after an election. We can forfeit a lot based on our attitudes, our actions before, in, and after an election. Again, the damage you can do to your witness during these times will live on much further than the election season. That's why we need to hold on to the truth that says life and death is in the power of our tongue. I'm guilty of this. We walk around and say, oh man, if this gets put through, this is going to happen to kids in our school. If this gets put through, this is going to happen to sexuality. If this happens, this is going to happen. And we speak death, 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 death. And God says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll reap. Whatever we speak, life and death and the power of the tongue will eat its fruit. Are you with me? We need to be careful what we say. Uh, I thought about this. All throughout scripture, God made himself known to government leaders. All throughout scripture, you can read where where people had God encounters and they were in leadership positions. How come we've stopped praying and believing that God's going to make himself known to leaders? 
We go, well, there goes four years. We got to wait four more years before we can. What if God can change them in the office that they're in right now? What if we begin to use our life and death and we speak over them and we pray over them and we see God give them an encounter in the place that they're in right now? Amen. So we got to be careful about what we say. I wrote it down like this. Everything that is wrong physically in our nation, in our world, is rooted in a problem spiritually. Government can only address the fruit. The church is called to address and heal the root. See, the trouble with government, and and I'm not anti-government. I love the government, Facebook. (laughs) But I'm just saying, for years, how many years have we had all of these different types of government? And they go, oh, no, here's the fruit. This is the condition. Well, let's put this in place and legislate this and put this in and put all this kind of stuff. And, and they, try to, they try to handle the fruit. Oh, there's a bad spot there. Let's cut that off. Let's change this. Let's kind of do this. And they can manipulate and they can adjust and they can prop up the best that they can fruit. But until the root is healed, it's never going to produce the fruit that we need. That's why the scripture says it this way. It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent. What does repent do? It heals the root. Then the promise is God will what? Heal the land. We won't heal the fruit until we heal the root. And God has called the, per, the church to be the people that help heal the root. Amen. And so this is what we need. We can't depend on, we can't count on government because God called us to be that answer. Are you with me? The church is the answer for the world's problem, not the government. The church is the solution to the world's brokenness. Uh, I love this. That should excite you. That should excite you to look out there. Uh, If you were a business person and you were looking over a a business that you were going to buy and you saw all this brokenness, you said, oh, that's why they're not making money. This is broken. This is messed up and this is out of alignment. And and you knew that you could be uh, you had the solution to all of those. You would be eager and you would be excited to purchase that and join that and be a part of that because you knew that you were going to bring great turnaround. How much more so should Christians be able to look at all the darkness and goes, oh, God shines the brightest in darkness. Let's go. Let's be a part of this. Let's jump in on this. Let's be a part of this healing. Are you with me today? If the church did its part, if the church did its part, if we gave and we served and we prayed, if we did all the things that God's design is for the church to be, we would have no sex trafficking issue. We would have no issue with, the, with poor and with widows. There would be national debt. If we did everything God's way, we would see these things cured and you wouldn't have a dependence on government. Can I get an amen today? The greatest moments for the church, anytime you see a revival, the greatest moments for the church throughout its history came from the darkest times. I believe that the darkest times also weed out the fake. They produce, hey, do you really trust in God or are you trusting man? So in this time that we're living, I'm encouraging you to to let God prune you and grow you so that you can be a people who produce real faith. I thought about this. I don't know, Pastor, I don't like where it's going. I don't like where it's headed, and I don't like all these kind of things. We started this church 2014. We launched this thing in 2014. Our president was Barack Obama in 2014. Then the church continued, and the president became uh, President Trump. We saw that we had President Trump after that, and then many of you know, of course, right now we have President Joe Biden as the president. God willing, in two years, if we finally get our way, we're finally going to get Nader in there. Ralph Nader, if we can get Nader, I've been voting for Nader. Nate or something, you don't even know about that. (laughs) What I'm here to say is there's been a lot of changes, and they've been on both sides of the aisle. And can I tell you something? The Lord has still grown his church. 
He still healed marriages. He still helped people. He still broken addicts from their addiction. He still brought hope to the hopeless. He still used his church to mentor kids in school. He still used his church to help feed kids who struggle with hunger. What I'm here to say is that it, it doesn't matter one way or another. God's church prevails. Can I get an amen today? I'll close with this. I need you to do something before I preach my third point, okay? I need you to say this out loud. Just don't think it in your heart. I need you to say, I love you, Pastor Josh. <laughs> no, like I need, that's not, like, see that, that laugh right there doesn't give me any confidence. <laughs> I need you before this third point to say it out loud. Yeah, okay, you're my mom. That doesn't count. We're family. You're family. That doesn't count either. Uh, I need somebody to actually love me before I say this third point. Okay, yeah, they don't. They're not going to do it. No, see, you don't. But that's, it's, now it's forced and fake. And should have come naturally. You're like, you had pastor appreciation last month. We don't care anymore. This last point is something we're all going to have to deal with. It doesn't matter which side of the aisle you're on. It, it, it applies to even more than politics. But point number three is this. We honor the position even if we degree, disagree with the person. We honor the position even if we disagree with the person. Honor is choosing to look at the good instead of focusing on the bad. That's how honor works. Honor says, hey, I'm going to honor you. I'm going to choose to look at the good, even if there's bad. We don't honor someone because they're perfect. Oh, they're perfect. Now we can honor them. We can show them honor because they're perfect. There will be no perfect person. There's only one person who was perfect. His name is Jesus. And there never will be another perfect. Are you with me? And I know this is hard for us to get because we want to stand up for righteousness and we want to stand up for truth and we need to do those things. We, we need to be bold in our faith and we need to take more action. And there, you guys have heard me, you know I'm that guy. But at the same time, we got to be a people of honor. Honor is choosing to find gold instead of dirt. We need to show honor. And here's why it's important for us to show honor properly. Because your kids are watching how you honor. Your kids are learning honor based on how they see you honor how you talk about people, how you talk about your boss, how you talk about those in authority. Your kids are learning it, and then they're automatically showing honor that way. Here's another reason it matters for you to learn how to show honor properly, is because the way that you show honor is the way that you're going to receive honor. So if you show honor all the way down here, and you're dishonoring, and you're the, that's what you're going to get back. So we got to be a people who learn how to show honor. First Peter said it again and again. You honor the emperor. You show honor. Again, you don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to agree, but we show honor. I wrote it down like this. When you dishonor authority over you, it doesn't reveal anything about them. It reveals a lot about you and your character and your integrity. People already know all the dirt about those people. You go around and you're dishonoring and you're talking all this kind of stuff. People already know all that kind of stuff. But what you don't realize is when you're doing that, it shows your integrity and your character. Are you with me? We don't honor because they are honorable. We show honor because we are honorable people. And God called us to be that way. I know it's a hard point and it's something that we all got to work through and walk through. But like I said, you told me just a minute ago, you love me. So... And here's how it becomes possible. How is it possible? 
for us to show honor when we don't agree? How, 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 how is it possible for us to walk honorable? It, it, it comes like this. It's possible when we know who's actually in control. When we have a true trust and faith and depth of, oh, I know who's actually in control here. It's not this, that, and this, and that, and all all the control and power doesn't come from this, that. And again, I believe in God using his church to influence government, and and God raises up people and puts them in government. I'm not saying we have no, no play in that at all. We do. But what I'm saying is our confidence doesn't come in government. Our confidence comes from heaven, and it comes from his truth. So if you're struggling, my encouragement to you is get into the word. And remind yourself where you're getting your confidence. Spend some time in worship. Put God's worship on over your life and, and let him speak to you and lead you and, and break discouragement off you. Pray. You got to be a people of prayer. We got to be praying. It's, it, scripture says you have not because you ask not. We can't expect to see change in our world if we aren't going to the Father and requesting it of him. Amen. And then we got to watch our words. We got to talk right over it. I tell our teenagers all the time when I was a youth pastor, they're coming in, Pastor, I hate my parents. My parents are stupid. I said, listen, if you prayed for your parents as much as you complained about them, you'd come down to the kitchen and they'd just be angels. They'd be just transformed. If we prayed for our government and our leaders and our bosses as much as we complained about them, man, we'd be in a revival, wouldn't we? And so that's what we need to do. I believe you were born for such a time as this. So I didn't sign up to live in 2022 and go through all this kind of stuff. Neither did David. His dad said, hey, David, take your brother some lunch. And he goes down on the thing. And all of a sudden he finds himself in a battle with Goliath. I wonder if David was like, I didn't sign up for this. How come I'm doing this? I'm not the, I'm the shepherd boy up in the thing. But God was like, I created you on purpose for a purpose. And I sent you there for such a time as this. God has you here in 2022 for such a time as this. And what a great thing. We get to have some fun. Are you with me? Nobody is. One guy. We're going to have fun. <laughs> but my encouragement is keep this in front of you. Let's remember these next two years. Let's lead the way in being people who can disagree politically, but yet love unconditionally. Let that be our prayer and let that be our way. Amen. Hey, if you're watching online, I encourage you to share this page. If you're with us in person and this spoke to you, I think this is a message that we need to get out. I think it's something we need to share and encourage people to hear. And so I encourage you to do that before I pray. God, we love you so much. So grateful for today. Lord, we hear your word. Some of it makes us uncomfortable and some of us, we might even still disagree with it. But God, I pray you reveal your truth to us and Holy Spirit empower us to do it. I thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen.